Welcome to Inner Explorations with Angela and Victor, a yoga podcast. My name is Blake Tedder. I'm a yoga teacher and a student of Angela Farmer and Victor Van Kooten, two teachers who have fundamentally changed my life by pointing me to radically creative and alive ways to inhabit and move in my body. This podcast aims to bring you inspired and exploratory conversations with these two yoga visionaries who are now in their 80s and living in Malivos, Greece, where their yoga scene is a little more down to earth than here in the United States. It consists of cats, a garden, and the Aegean Sea. I'm honored to facilitate these conversations about approaching yoga as a deeply personal and inner guided practice that brings us home to ourselves and to the beautiful life that's all around us. I really hope you enjoy. You can find out more about Angela and Victor at Angela-Victor.com, where, as of May 2021, Angela is still teaching classes via Zoom, not her preference, but she's totally glad to connect with people. And uh, Victor has a new video on an exploration of Anantasana. It's really great. Highly recommend. It's great to have video of, of these two wonderful people. Lastly, you can email me questions that you have for Angela and Victor, and we'll see if we can get them on the podcast. Uh, that address is AngelaVictorPodcast at gmail.com. This is part two of our conversation where we are discussing what makes Angela and Victor's approach to yoga so different. In part one, we talked about their break with BKS Iyengar, the evolution of their teaching, the pitfalls of following a guru figure, and how important it is to follow your own path. And that might lead you to wonder, well, what the heck are we talking about anyway then? If it's different from Iyengar, then what is it? After all, it is Iyengar's brilliant but rigid and forceful style of yoga that has become popularized as yoga in the West. So in part two, we discuss what an Angela and Victor workshop experience is like and how it's different from a typical yoga class. They dig into their constant helpful image of roots, which I absolutely love. And we discuss the trouble and the benefits of calling their yoga, yoga, and what yoga is in the first place. Uh, We talk about the importance of the body as the way into our experience and our energetic sensitivities. And Angela tells her very personal story of how a surgery at a young age caused a trauma that she's still exploring today at over 80 years old. That's, you know, amazing. Um, These bodies, right? So I hope you gain a lot of inspiration for your own practice and for the exploration of yourself. You know, what Angela and Victor teach is not about idolizing Angela and Victor. They steer hard away from that. It's about putting into practice what they teach, which is walking your own path, and I might say, you know, making it fun too. What does one of your classes look like? How is it different than uh, a typical yoga class that someone might go in these days? And either of you could take that. Well, I would say it's uh, a quiet chaos. 
<laughs> you know, because we can go from this to that, and there's no structure. In, in us, there is a structure, but we don't even know what it is. We don't know ourselves until we meet somebody, uh, we start to create a form. I mean, this is basically also like, again, when I say last time when I talked to you, it's about painting. I now realize there is no non-figurative painting. Everybody looks at forms and shapes and makes something out of it, you know? So there's not, not necessarily a, a basic structure of anything. You use colors that are given by the sunlight. Uh, it's a reflection on, 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 on the earth and on the moon. And these are all colors uh, that you use as a painter. You haven't invented anything. And, and you just play. And, and I try to keep it as informal as I can. And Angela tries to really go inside a problem that she feels and I go into a problem in a different way. I try to see things in a slightly more mechanical way, I could say, uh, being maybe the ma male side of me. I'd say I'm, from my experience of, of your teachings, you, you seem to... Um... I, I just want to, to add that you both use, and we'll, we'll get into this at length later in the podcast, but um, you use inner imagery as, as guides. And I, I tend to see you, Victor, using more wheels and pulleys and things like that. And Angela doing a bit more with um, squirmy things and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, you know, is when you're in a class or a workshop, and I've been, I've been to a few of them, are, are people doing... Um, I'm asking this naively, right? Of course, I know the answer yeah. to this. But are people doing, you know, down dog, or and then a lunge, and then you know, a sun salutation? How how no. how, how does it look? Well, uh, it could do. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't just thrown the poses out, uh, but they come in if they're useful to uh, experience. Uh, more deeply a certain aspect in the body or to uh, bring us to a point where we actually meet face-to-face -face one of our uh, deep issues. Mm. And then the emphasis is not on perfecting the pose from, a, from an observation point of view, but on stopping in the area where you really need to look and be, but you would love to just avoid it, staying with that place and seeing how you can soften into it, how you can meet it, how you can be patient with it until something begins to shift and change. And that can very often bring up a, a huge well of emotion. Sure. Because locked in every part of the body that is not functioning well is, um, is a deep emotion and it may come up with the image of why it's there. It may just be the release of emotion, but the release is if, if the student feels safe enough to really release, um, it can be huge. Mm -hmm. Maybe just, just the feeling of, uh, oh yes, sadness or release or happiness or 
but uh, it, it may bring tears, but it may bring a huge outburst of shaking. And when the body starts to shake, it's a sign that deep trauma is beginning to surface. And so that's, I try to encourage people that if that happens to um, allow it totally, even encourage it just to get rid of all that stuff that's been locked corked in, up. yes, corked up inside. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that of course is much easier when you have a group. But I found now with, um, because you're present with the people and you can even be there for somebody who might be going sure. through that. But with um, what seems to be helpful to me and hopefully to the students now, I have um, a theme for a class. Mm. And um, the theme, uh, sorry, my mind's gone blank. Can't even think of the things I've been teams I've been doing but <laughs> that's that's because we're in a weird technological age and that it just sucks away our brains yeah um but it, it can be quite a, a sort of mundane theme like my class tomorrow will be on meeting the right and left side and finding out the differences between our right the way we use our right and left mm. side and what we hide in one side and what is more dominant and so on just to become more aware in the body of that um but i did do a whole a theme on going into the underworld mm. it was a, a four-week uh, process with um using as a background the uh, myth of inanna going down into meet her sister Ereshkigil. but that was the theme and each day we took a different aspect of that so when she lost her necklace it brought up the whole aspect of the throat mm. and the voice and the tension and connecting into the shoulders. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> And um, when she lost her crown, it was more about the image we present to the world. You know, if you're, a, I'm, I'm a teacher or I'm a mother or I'm a, a technician or a politician or whatever, that's that's the crown we wear. And that was the first thing that was snatched from her. So we go into a lot of work around what we're letting go. What does it feel like to let go of your profession and not be known by that? Um, but then within the theme, whatever asana or movement or stretch comes up, we look at it from that point of view. And oh yes, I did one on, um, because there's a lot of, been a lot of fear and anxiety mm -hmm. around with the COVID. Um, we were opening up spaces in the body from the inside by getting to meet them and release. And then seeing how the space that you've opened up, whether it's in your shoulder or your hip or wherever, can be, um, it's like a, the end of a tunnel. And out of that, you can release an emotion. If you visualize it, just let it start. Think of fear, for instance, and you can start to let that fear pour like a river out of that particular part of your body. And 
it turned out to be for myself really powerful and I think for hopefully mm. for the students as well <laughs> I never really know because I don't see them mm. uh, but so the asanas are not thrown out but um, much less of them and very often just going into them is enough to start opening up something really interesting and it may evolve into movement it may evolve into a whole different stretch sure yes also thank you i think i think uh, another thing that is typical for our classes is that we throw in something that doesn't exist that's well, your say roots. more say more your roots your roots hmm. You know, so people are sitting there and now they should feel roots. Now, this is asking for trouble <laughs> because you don't have roots. I mean, the whole power of people is that they don't have roots. They can go whenever they want. They can run away. If they don't like it here, they go there. You know, people are basically far more restless. Now they have to stay until they feel the depth of their roots, how far is their energy in the shape of roots, which is borrowed from trees or plants? What kind of roots are they? How do they feel? Can they go deeper into the ground? Can you really trust them? Can you feel what they give them to you, to your inner space? These things are puzzling. Mm. So you take all this Trikonasana, da, 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 da. you can put roots in every pose you do from that day on, and you'll feel that your body is receptive, more receptive. And yes. that is the whole idea of creating receptiveness is, is I think, one of the main uh, kind of differences that instead of doing, you're receiving. You don't do yoga, you receive. Yes, yes. You make so, a channel. So I just want to say, as as I'm listening to you, I'm um, talking about roots. I was just working with that imagery. You're talking about using some imagery, which you you, you do in your classes, and whether whatever whatever configuration we'll call it, rather than a pose, whatever configuration you find yourself in, you know, one of the images you might be. Uh, working with is is sending roots down sometimes it's through your buttock bones sometimes it's through your feet sometimes it's through your shoulder if it's on the floor and right now yeah right now i'm i'm i was i'm doing that and um as you were talking about it and i'm i'm allowing my mind to release itself of believing that i actually have roots coming out of the bottom of me and 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 feeling into the lower part of my body as as if roots are going down into the ground below me. And I'll tell you what I'm noticing right away is that my, 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 I didn't know it, but my back was hurting. And, and now I'm feeling some relief in that because it's my middle back. It's because there, uh, there seems to be a more, there's, there's something holding me up now. I realized my pelvis wasn't supporting me and I wasn't, I wasn't what I would say grounded. And so my back was just holding up all the, the weight of me as I'm sitting here in this little closet studio. And I, I found that just by sending those roots down, even in just in this moment. So I would say listeners maybe try this as well and see what happens. Um, that 
something changed. And what I want to just say as we as we begin to wrap up this conversation is that um, I, I when I first met you all and and took some classes or took a workshop with you in two thousand and nine, I came away calling what you do yoga anarchy. That was the only thing I could call it. I was just like, it's not, it's not even yoga to me. And um, it, that was helpful for me to label it as not yoga because then my mind didn't spend all of this time trying to fit you into yoga, what I, what I called yoga. It was, it was not trying to go, well, this is, this is like a, a breakdown of this pose. You know, this is like a, a, a you know, Angela, you do the, the fallen warrior pose where you're, you know, really just, you've got your leg to one side, another leg back, and your arms all f out in different directions. And you're really just exploring twists, and you're exploring how the body lays and weight. And I'm, I've just found that when I stopped calling it yoga for my own self, I just found that, oh, they're leading me into an experience of my body. And yoga may be the the colors of the paint we use to paint mm -hmm. this picture but um i found when i get more of those concepts out of me um i can really just experience well, what that, you that, that's really wonderful blake but the thing is that maybe we've called something that is way way bigger we've just called it by the most superficial like if somebody gives you a business card and you walk around and say look you know i've met this wonderful person see you can read his name mm. so it's it's just the name and it's it's also the same with the body you you put the body in different positions but to really to begin to take the yoga into its depth you start exploring you start going deeper you start uncovering more and more and so you might find a whole world just in one little part of your body and yoga has always been very broad and wide mm. and um i think everybody will find for some people yoga is simply going to class and performing some positions that the teacher gives other people will have gone deeper into it and want to go more into experience of the breath and how they feel the breath inside their body moving through the different channels and other people might love to go to chanting mm -hmm. and yoga is it has in the west been limited to yes. the multi-million dollar business billion billion billion, billion. Yeah. <laughs> but it basically means well i i i think there may be different ways of explaining but it's it's connecting connecting whatever connecting your mind with mm -hmm. your body connecting your feeling your your soul or your emotions with it mm. with where you are connecting how you experience the space beyond you yes or a sense of the divine which everybody has everyone has a spark of divinity in them and we all know it but we clutter it up all the time but 
finding different ways to peel open and feel connected again to that center. And it really is a process of bringing all this together and we must stay with the number one, which is the body. You can't breathe without a body. That's right. You can't feel without a body. You, you can't receive without a body. Mm. And you can't become who you truly are without a body. But the good thing about the body is also the roots that we don't have. Mm. So it's also beyond the body. It's the whole idea about yoga, the connection is not only connecting with your kidney, the things you have, you can look up in an anatomy book, but it's connecting to the energy that has no form yet, that has no image yet, that maybe bring up an image into you. So this is the most important part for me is that the old yoga pictures talk about the chakras and no doctor can find the chakra. No surgeon comes up and says, ooh, that's the root chakra. I've never seen it. You know, there's nothing that happens like that. So it's an invisible part, and it's actually how to connect with the energy. You know, you're, you're, you're really the energy that made all these organs, that made this body. So it's also beyond the body. But you can't get beyond but the you body can't without get, the body. Yeah, you have to <laughs> You have to need all these senses, but you can't see it with your eyes. You can't talk about it. People uh, can't lecture about samadhi. There's right. nothing to say. You know? yeah. So, you know, I think for, for people that are, are new to your teachings, uh, what you're both talking about right now is, is, is quite quintessential that, um, you know, to, 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 to really experience the energetic sensitivity and the sensitivity beyond your body that Victor's talking about, you have to, you know, uh, get into your body and uncover right. like Angela's talking about and really, um, you know, find that sensitivity that's there. And, um, and, and, you know, my, my point earlier about the label of yoga that I originally took off of what you were doing, I have found as I've, I've grown is that I find that everything is yoga. And I, I do yeah. a little bit of what you, you teach a, as a counterpoint to, I may do some high intensity interval training and go running. And um, I mm. do a martial, martial art, which, which all inform my body and help me connect mm. And, and heal trauma and help connect from my head to my to my inner being. And I also absolutely, you know, squirm around and I need that too. And I dance and, and all of that. And I've just found that, oh, all of that is yoga. And my definition of yoga early on was very small and narrow. And it looked like what happened on a, you know, a, 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 a pink or green you know, piece of uh, rubber or plastic, whatever, it, you know, it, it was very small, but now I, I understand it as, as very different. And I just want to say one thing, when I left uh, one of your first workshops, I experienced something I had never experienced before. And, and, and maybe as we come to a close, I'll just, I'll just share the story is that um, we had been doing this technique where you lay on your back and your partner is holding uh, one of your legs 
you know, just kind of gently tugging on it, very lightly um, supporting it and letting you just kind of squirm and really letting the leg come out of you, you know, and you would say things like, well, find out where that leg really begins. And is it, is it in the hip joint? Is it in your belly? Is it up in your shoulder? And I, I found that I was really liking it. And I think the image you, you used, Angela, was of being like a piece of seaweed stuck to a rock and, and letting the leg kind of swim off into the current. And I'll tell you what, I, I left the, the workshop and for the first time in my life, I felt my legs. I'd never, I didn't realize I'd never felt them before. I had, they were cold and dead to me. And I was like a newborn foal and I was running and kind of galloping and just kicking my legs up in the air, just kind of just to experience them because I had never experienced them before. And I, f I just wanted to add that little story because it's illustrative to, you know, I had practiced yoga for a, a long time at that point. And yet I had not felt my legs until I was given that inner permission to just let it kind of unfold and to feel that energy move. And I think that's really a powerful thing that you all teach. And it's something that I, one of the reasons I want to do this podcast is to share some of that um, with the mm. world because it's a, it's a, it's a different way and uh, it's not necessarily better or worse, but it really works for me. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. It's, it's, it's so interesting that you say you were given permission. And I think we've heard this kind of thing many times, which means that maybe that is what a teacher can do. Mm. Give permission for you to become who you really want to be and feel more and that the danger with any teaching is that it, it restricts you so yeah mm. i mean i remember Yanga saying that uh, yoga is going into the vastness goes beyond if it feels good it's not yoga anymore because oh, no. to him to him it says like feeling and laying back and enjoying is not the yoga the yoga you have to strive to be unknown and i i i embrace both but not with this battle right not with this force yep you know it is a playfulness it's a game that we need to play ah I love that. Yeah. Yes. And of course, we I think we... I think the, the idea also that Jesus said it as a good teacher, you know, the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Yeah. He never said, look up, look up to the Lord. It's he made hand. one. He, he, he made also shit things like walking on water and, 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 and calming the storms down on a boat and all these things that are miracles, miracles you should not give in to you know, as a showmanship. It is basically just to tell the people to go inside and pray and be there and, and really go and do something, not just sit there and, and fall asleep and feel good. You still have to search. You still have to search. We have miracles every day. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I was going to say, you know. We I, are the miracles. For, for, for me, 
you know, as being someone who went through a significant trauma, which I'm not going to share at this moment, maybe it's uh, later in the podcast. Um, the, the ultimate thing for me was to have that permission that Angela's talking about. And, um, and the, uh, and, and, and a voice that said, you're empowered to feel, you can feel, you know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, what happens in trauma or, or other kind of internal injuries or even you external injuries is, is, is the body says, you can't feel this right now. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and something external is telling something happened to you externally and the body responds by saying, you can't feel this. So to have a teacher say with permission to allow the student to feel internally, I think is, is, um, is, is ultimately is, the, the miracle uh, of the most important thing. It's like turning the camera around when you look at something and then you switch it around and you see yourself instead of the other person. Uh, it's, it's a shock. It's a little scary, but then wherever you go, if you're out in nature, you just realize that if you soften yourself, you start to receive and everywhere you look, is the most amazing mm. experience right. happening, and and it can sometimes be so huge that it's it's too much. It's like um, when Arjuna yeah. wanted to see Krishna, and and Krishna finally gave in and showed himself. Arjuna just <laughs> couldn't even look, yeah. and we close up as as we open to our inner potential more and more and we see how we are part of this incredible creation it's not intellectual it's just everything is speaking to us or singing to us every little leaf every where you look and you feel like you're going to burst and at that point we close up but we can open that window sometimes and and it's really like a, a total cleanse and so if we can aim towards that, opening little places inside our body. For me, it was, um, you know, I was raised in a somewhat quasi-Christian background, and the body was the devil, really. I, I was told not to touch my body. And um, when I started coming up towards um, teenage, my mother gave me a kind of elastic belt that I had to wear so my bottom wouldn't show. and that was the kind of background uh, and I became very restricted in every way. I, I started closing in and having fear of anyone coming near, near to me, especially physically. I can feel my so own belly gripping. My own belly is gripping as you're, as you're discussing. Yeah. It. yeah. I, I think it's common. It's, it's this terrible thing of, of, of a sort of a misunderstanding of religion that has somehow grown into our society and restricts um, restricts people. I see people are children, they're so free if they don't have that. Uh, so it's okay because it was what we, it was our karma, we had to work through that. And maybe by working, working through those limitations, we've been able to open doors for the next generation and then they have their own doors they've got to work through. That's right. Yeah. And the other thing was the 
the thing that to do something with your body, like like uh, movement or dance or anything physical that showed sensuality was a terrible sin. But I was quite rebellious in, in for that time. <laughs> uh, and um, so I did go off and on my own. And um, so when I found yoga, I just dived into it. And then it was right in the early days in England. And uh, there was the England, yoga wasn't really known. Um, there were not yoga teachers around at that time. But then it started and then Iyengar came and uh, it was all a big excitement. And in some class, I was noticed by a journalist who was writing an article on an Indian center that was opening up. And he said, would I please go for an interview and some photographs? So I did that and um, I went for these photographs somewhere in London. Uh, I think they were mostly headstand and back bends, the more sort of dramatic looking things. And uh, I had to go twice because <laughs> the camera didn't work and so I had to go back and do it again. But anyway, it was for the Sunday Times, which was the big national sort of weekend it was a weekend supplement where they had color. Sunday Times. Sunday mm. Times. Sunday. Oh, that's right, the Sunday Times. So that was the big paper that, you know, my parents and everybody that sort of sure. time had. And they only wrote a very little bit about this Indian center. The rest they did on the interview with me. And then they plastered two full pages with little pictures of all these different asanas, me doing them in a in um, dark blue leotard. <sighs> and my aunt, who was married to my uncle, who was a professor in Cambridge, called up my parents and she said, how dare Angela exhibit her body all over a, a national newspaper? <laughs> so that was the kind of background and I think many people will recognize what that, that feeling, especially as a young woman. Oh, absolutely. To be ashamed of your body. And to, to come slowly through all this, through the help of yoga, and really to enjoy even the body. We all have our aches and pains and our problems and our issues and getting older. But to just honor that and accept them and enjoy the wonderful thing of having a body mm. um, is, is a great start. I would have to agree. And, and I would have to just say that not only are, are were you, a, you still are, but are you a woman, but you were, uh, was that in the 60s or the 70s? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah early 60s, I think. Okay, the uh, 60s. Yeah. And, uh, and it was in England, which is uh, famously yeah. reserved um uh in terms of 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 freedom of expression of the body you know it's stiff upper lip land uh, so that was probably pretty um pretty shocking for your for your family <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well my father took it the other way 
And my mother was shocked, of course, but my father took it the other way. And um, he said, oh, this is great. Now you can, um, you know, have a, a business out of it. Oh, sure. And of course, I had some invitations to go and advertise cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was not, not really wanting to go that way at all. In fact, I was very scared to go out into the open world with it. Mm. Well, you uh, can always you could always get back to advertising I, cigarettes. What? <laughs> you know, you know, in your yoga classes, that would go really well. Yeah. Well, do hashes and alcohol? That's okay. Well, it was cigarettes that actually uh, ruined my life. They're not smoking them, but having to go to school for three hours a day in a train packed with businessmen, oh. all chain smokers. Wow. And my circulation gave out. My hands and feet and legs went black. And they gave me a horrendous surgery, cutting out one third of my nervous system, which was very stupid. They don't use that surgery anymore. But at the time, instead of asking what's the background and changing that arrangement, they just said, oh, we know how to deal with that. Your nerves are overworking and closing the blood vessels. We'll cut them out. Oh, my goodness. And that basically cut, cut me up totally. It, 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 it's been a lifetime's work. But I, because of that, I've had to go more inside, as people do, as you have with your traumas. Sure. Uh, so I think many, many people who have taken their injury or their trauma or their damage um, positively as a way to handle it as a way to survive they end up the happiest and um most comfortable people being with their bodies yeah it, it's quite a journey from from deep pain to um to learning to have a have a real sense of of fullness and and self in there especially once there's been surgery and things like that to to really inhabit those areas is quite an act of courage at the at the beginning so for anyone out there who's exploring that it's it's um it does take time but it it is i'd say that we can attest to it it is a a process that is worth it to 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 get into I've those painful you. areas i've known you over not regularly, but seeing you from time to time. I've known you over many years. I don't know how many years. 2009, you said. I think. Uh -huh. And I've seen, it's been amazing to see how every time I've seen you, the shift you've made from your problems. I think when I first knew you, you were really struggling with, with movement. I think that's true. I, I've, I've been... Um, um, I've been very diligent. I do. I have been, I have been exploring every religion on the earth for a long time. Every practice I could get my hands on, every type of, um, uh, of massage therapy, every sort of everything, because it's just been such a, a force. Tra trauma has been such a force that it's it's absolutely essential. And I've, as I've grown older, I've winnowed out the stuff that doesn't work, and I've found you know what really does, and what does is is finding spaciousness and finding my own self standing within myself and and the practices that support that and and certainly what you teach really helps me do that so um, very grateful